Welcome to another edition of the Superfly Podcast, your Cubism NBA podcast. It's Sunday, January 15th, 2017, and I'm your host as always, Joe Borelli. Um, Real quick before we get into everything, uh, I just want to let you guys know again how you can follow the show and where to follow at. Um, the Superflight Podcast is now part of the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. So if you want, you can go over to almightyballer.com and follow the show there and follow all of the shows at Almighty Baller. You can click and subscribe to everything if you want. Or you can pick out a few. There's a bunch of good ones. Or you can pick out just this one because, you know, I'm the best and you love me. Um... So you can go to almightyballer.com. You can still follow on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and anywhere you can listen to podcasts. You can tweet at me, at Joe Borelli, or you can tweet at the show, at SuperFlightPod on Twitter. You can email the show at thesuperflightpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow on Facebook. You can probably send Carrier Pigeon, Smoke Signal, um, Morse code, I accept any of these things. You can send snail mail, reach out and say hi, just mail me a letter. You probably need my address, but I'm not going to give that to you. Um, you could text me if you had my phone number, but you're not going to get that either unless you're really nice to me, and, and then maybe I'll think about it. Um, so there you go. There's a whole bunch of ways you can follow and say hi and reach out. Um, today... My guest, Tim Tompkins, from the Drive and Dish podcast will be on shortly, uh, and we're going to get into all kinds of mid-season madness. Madness! Um, and yeah, that should be fun. He's coming up soon. Uh, in the meantime, uh, uh, there's this thing that I, I have. So I have this thing in my mind, okay? Um, I don't know if anybody that listens to this podcast uh, is a musician or an artist. I would like to think that probably there are some. Probably much better, more skilled musicians and artists than myself. Um, but there's this thing. It's called the chromatic scale in music, right? And I've been thinking about it because I've been talking to a friend who's much older than I am lately. Uh, not much older, but older than I am. And, and dealing with the the loss of a loved one and dealing with like you know, the, the idea of aging and getting into the twilight of our years, not my years. I'm, I'm, I'd like to think that I still have a good, oh, half my life left, I hope, um, at least. Uh, but, we're, you know, I was talking about the idea of the chromatic scale and how the chromatic scale to me sort of is beginning to mimic everything I see in nature and in just life in general. So here's here's the chromatic scale. It's hard. Well, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's not that hard to explain. I'm just not a music theory teacher. But <clears throat> so in the chromatic scale, if you're looking, I don't know if you've ever seen a guitar. If you look at a guitar and you see the frets on the guitar, the lower end toward the headstock, uh, they're much further apart if you're at the bottom of the fret board. And as you play the guitar, you if you play those lower notes, they're very deep deep notes that's how you get the really metally sounding stuff and then when you move up into the high squeaky little uh area that's how you get the really high notes um so the thing is i was equating this to sort of the life cycle as well when you're down at the bottom of the fretboard the frets are so far apart and it feels like there's so much distance between each fret and sort of how when you're a kid there's so much time between every day and and there's so much new and it's sort of the beginning right so that's the beginning of the fretboard as you get up closer 
to the top of the fretboard in the chromatic scale, the notes become closer and closer. Same notes. You're playing the same notes. It's like just the different octaves. Playing the same notes, they're just closer and closer and closer and closer together. And we were talking about how, you know, as you get older, the days just go by so quickly. And they're not the same as when you were a child. And obviously everybody knows this. It's silly to talk about. But, you know, just it goes so fast. It just goes so fast. And before you know it, you're at the top of the fretboard and there's nowhere left to go. Um, by the way, it's also, if you think about it in this way, it's kind of a beautiful thing, right? Like life is music. Music is life or art or you're making art through your living. Your life is a masterpiece to someone like to somebody. Somebody really cares about you and you care about somebody else. And like that connection and that that life is music. I don't know. I'm rambling a little bit, but, uh, you know, it's, it's tough when you're talking to people who experience loss and tragedy. And I think we all have, and it's really hard to get through sometimes. So like you need to think about it in different ways. And so for me, I was just, you know, I like music. I like, I like playing the guitar and I like playing the trumpet trumpet, by the way, also is another one. Like I think this, when I was uh, a few years younger, I started taking trumpet lessons, right? I don't know why, just because I'm a huge lover of jazz and I love the trumpet. I love Miles Davis. I love Lee Morgan. And I just wanted to, you know, be able to try and attempt to do what these guys do. So I was like, I'll start taking some trumpet lessons. And my God, is it difficult. It's freaking crazy. If you don't, if you don't play a trumpet and like you, you don't want to start until your thirties, good frigging luck. It's impossible. Anyway, with the I was speaking about how the trumpet is just really difficult uh, because it's all in your mouth and your fingerings. There's only three valves on a trumpet, so like all those notes, you can get all the same notes out of a trumpet that you can get out of a guitar. All the same, like all the octaves and everything, is just all in your embouchure, your mouth muscles. And so when you get up into the higher register, it's all all just muscle in your mouth. It's insane. Like I don't know how people do it. I can't. Uh, I wish I could. And, you know, now that I'm a 42-year-old with braces, I can I can barely play. So hopefully this will come off soon. Um, anyway, we were talking about the chromatic scale. By the way, what the chromatic scale is, is notes in succession. So it's there's half steps and whole steps between each note. Say between a C and a D, there's two half steps. So it's C, C sharp, D. Each, each one is a half step. So that's two half steps or a whole step. Two half steps equals one whole step. So in the chromatic scale, it's half step, half step, half step, half step. It's all, all the way up and down the, the octave, all the way up and down the scale, the, the notes, the whatever you want to call it. And the guitar, it's a fretboard. So if you see a guitar and you see the fretboard and the, and the fretboards are further apart at the bottom and they're closer together at the top and there's a whole lot more of them at the top, same notes as the bottom after the 12th fret. It just repeats itself. Um, they're just so much closer together. Um, just just talking about, you know, life and the chromatic scale. I think the reason that it's been on my mind is, A, I have a friend who is dealing with, again, loss of a loved one. And B, you know, winter. Winter bums me out, man. Like, I've always had bouts of depression. I've always dealt with this stuff. It's always been sort of that monkey on my back. Uh, and I think most of us, honestly, if you're being honest with yourself, I think everybody's dealt with this at some point in their life. And and really, people who are never sad, I don't trust at all. I don't trust you. Listen, if you're one of those happy-go-lucky people, people just, you know, I don't want to know you. I don't trust you. I mean, good for you. I'm happy for you, but come on, man. It's not realistic at all. I'm just saying, get real here. But I, uh, you know, 
seasonal defective or effective disorder, I think is a real thing. And I'm, I haven't been able to run lately because it's been snowy and cold and like, I'm not going to go for a run outside when it's snowing and like, or even when there's ice on the ground, because I am not going to run and slip and trip and kill myself. I mean, I'm trying to preserve my life here. I want to keep going. I don't, you know, I have no plans of stopping anytime soon, but boy, that's a good way to, to end it real quick, I think. Or at least like add some challenges to your life that you don't really need. Like, I don't want a broken back. I don't want a broken leg. I don't want to split my head wide open and like have a concussion and stuff. I, I think I'll skip on the the running on icy sidewalks and snowy sidewalks for now. And since I'm morally opposed, no, I'm not morally opposed. Since I'm financially opposed to going to a gym, actually, it's not even financially opposed to going to a gym. I mean, I am because I can't afford it. But even more so, I am a very insecure person. I cannot do gyms. I always think, not only am I insecure, I'm also paranoid. I think that everyone is looking at me all the time. Yes, welcome to my crazy world. Um, so gyms bum me out. No, they don't bum me out, but they weird me out. I get really, I mean, I've done it a few times in my life. Like when I was in college, I had to use the gym and like a few times outside of college. Um, it just, it's not for me. I'm not, I'm not into being sweaty in the same room with a lot of other people. I just, I don't know. It's, it skeeves me out. I don't know. You know what else? I don't like being touched. If you ever see me, don't touch me, please. Don't rub my head. Uh, don't pat me on the back. Do not, you know what the weird thing is though, like I am big into hugs. So if you open up for a hug, you're getting one. Joe Borelli is right in there. You're getting a big old hug. Uh, other than that, don't touch me. Don't touch me unwantedly. I don't, I don't want, I don't want you to touch me. I don't want touches. It's not good. It's, it's, you know, welcome to my weird world. Um, it's beautiful in here sometimes, just not always. So anyway, having said all that, uh, Tim Tompkins from the Drive and Dish podcast is coming up. You can follow Tim at on Twitter at Radio Tim NBA, and you can follow the Drive and Dish podcast at Drive and Dish NBA on Twitter, and you can check out their show on iTunes and all that. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about some midseason madness, and by that I mean just things that everyone thought were going to be true that aren't, and maybe some, I don't know, NBA personalities who might be crazy. Um, sort of like me but actually crazy anyway have all that coming up for you it's going to be a good show so hang out and after these commercial messages we'll be right back today's sponsor of the super flight podcast is glassesusa.com where you can get quality prescription glasses at up to 70 percent off retail price at glassesusa.com you can choose from a huge selection of frames and more than 2500 styles from in-house brands such as muse and amelia e to designer brands like ray-ban oakley adidas and armani glassesusa.com is the only website you'll ever need to see again get it at GlassesUSA.com, you can get a complete pair of glasses starting at just $48, and free prescription lenses are included with every frame. Go to GlassesUSA.com now to try on a pair of glasses using their virtual mirror feature by simply uploading a photo, importing from Facebook, or using the camera on your computer. As a man who's into style and kind of half-blind myself, I tried the virtual mirror feature, and it couldn't be easier. The virtual mirror has an alignment tool, so the glasses will look like they're actually sitting on your face. You just point, click, align, and you'll know exactly how the frames will look before you ever purchase. Shopping with GlassesUSA.com is also virtually risk-free. With a full 365-day product warranty and free shipping on orders and returns with a 100% money-back guarantee if returned within 14 days of delivery, no questions asked. 
And as a Superfight listener, you can go to GlassesUSA.com now and enter promo code ALMIGHTY to get 55% off any pair of glasses at checkout. That's promo code ALMIGHTY and get 55% off any pair of glasses at checkout. So go over to GlassesUSA.com now and get yourself some styling frames, friends. Okay, we'll be right back. So, Tim, welcome to the Superflight Podcast. How are you today, my friend? I am well, Joe. Thank you so much for having me on, man. It's a real treat. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Uh, super pleased to have you. So we were just chatting a little bit uh, before I started this. I, you know, I always regret not recording my conversations with people before they start talking about the NBA because, like, that's <laughs> the best stuff. <laughs> I agree. Uh, you know, t- talking about mics and everything, you were talking about yours, how you sing a little bit. So is your is the mic you normally record on, is that a USB mic or is it going into a board? Uh, you know, I skipped the board. I have this, like, huge soundboard that I don't really use. So I just go into an interface right into my computer. But it's a it's a vocal mic that I use to record in my studio at home. And what do, what do you mean by it goes into an interface, it goes into your computer? So there's uh, like a USB interface, right? So uh, the one I use is a, not to plug focus, right? But that's the one I use. I used to have an Alesis, but it exploded one time. So never to be heard from again. Um, but it's just you, you plug your mic right into the interface and it, it accepts like a, an XLR jack. And then you can plug that right via usb right into your computer so that's how i do it that's what i do so if anybody's oh, listening that... out there and wants to know how to do a podcast there you go <laughs> i mean that is a that is a really good idea i'm currently searching for a for a yeti mic which i'm pretty sure i've decided that that's what i'm going to get but i i have another mic that we normally do the driving dish podcast on but um yeah it's just a, it's just an xlr and i wasn't aware that you had there was a converter that would just put it right into the computer so there's a preamp in that as well then i'm presuming right yeah for sure because this mic wouldn't even run without a preamp you have to have that it's got phantom power in it because phantoms are cool uh well so. maybe after we get done doing this podcast you can uh shoot me a, a link to that yeah totally um, it's not super great. expensive um you know it can't be because i don't make a whole lot of money so right <laughs> Well, uh, podcasting podcasting could pay the bills depending on how many bills you have. Uh, way too many for a podcast to support. <laughs> <laughs> it's the student loans you see. The student loans are killing me. Um, well, we just we, we got to wait for a student uh, uh, loan debt forgiveness. Yeah. Uh huh. Yep. Don't worry. <laughs> Trump's gonna make everything better. It's all good. Uh, make America great again. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's gonna make loans great again. All right. I'm gonna stop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go down that path. So, uh, you know, thanks for coming on. So do me a favor and and tell people where they can find you and your podcast. And you're on the radio as well, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, We're all um, so the Driving Dish NBA podcast is actual name of uh, the podcast. And it's it's hosted along with uh, Kevin Rayfuse and uh, Justin Cousard, our producer. Not really sure why we call him a producer because he's equally um, vocal on the show as we are. But he does most of the editing. We all three of us work in radio. But uh, yeah, we're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on Google Play, anything like that. Just search at Drive and Dish. Of course, you can add me myself on Twitter at Radio Tim NBA and uh, the podcast to uh, Drive and Dish Podcast.com. Awesome. And you guys are part of the 16 Wins a Ring network now, right, too? Yeah, it's a really it's a really fun network. Um, I, I believe that you're on uh, the, the Almighty Ballin uh, podcast network, correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, Chris is a great guy. We've had him on the show a couple of times. Oh, cool. I didn't, did not know that. Mm-hmm. Well, at least once, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. It might have just have been once. But we're going to have him on again. He's a, a lovely character. Yeah, he's a nice guy. I like him. Um, 
what was I going to say to you? Oh, by the way, if you want me to cut out that Trump stuff, I didn't even ask you what your p- political opinions are. <laughs> uh, no, 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 I don't. I don't. I don't mind. I could go on for days uh, about Trump. Um, the other day we did, we started off one of our podcasts uh, with uh, with everything that happened in, during 2016. And a lot of it was political, as, as you would know, you know, grabbing women by the and things like that. Anyway, we, we had some uh, listeners that sent us some not nice tweets about it. Um, I thought it was great, but apparently not everybody enjoys my, my political banter. <laughs> I guess. I mean, you know, we are talking about basketball, so. Um, right. By the way, thanks for that. Now I have to bleep out that. <laughs> you don't really have to, do you? No, I, yeah, I mean, I have to be clean now. I can't, I can't swear anymore, so. It, oh, why, why is that? Um, just as a matter of advertising, I guess. I don't know. Talk to Chris. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah. 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 We had, um, every once in a while we'll, we'll let like an F bomb drop on our podcast. And we had a, a listener that emailed us and said he was going to complain to iTunes unless we either stop dropping, uh, F bombs, which is realistically like once an episode, mm-hmm. um, or change our rating from all ages or whatever it is on iTunes to mature. So we had to make a point of not swearing as much. Because of one person? Well, I mean, I, I think he had a point because he had, um, you know, he listens to the podcast with his kids in the car and as irritating as it is because, yeah. a, as you know, podcasting gives a, uh, a sort of freedom that radio doesn't give where you don't have the FCC and you don't have commercial breaks and, you know, you don't have to, you're, it doesn't have to be exactly 37 minutes long. You know, if it's great conversation, it's an hour. If it's not so great of a conversation, it's only half an hour. Yeah, right. Um, but there, there. I, I think he had a point. Yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't ever think about it because a, I live in New York City and I don't have a car, so right. I don't, I don't <laughs> and I don't have any kids here. So, you know. exactly. Well, that that was it too. Is it, it was irritating, but Kevin actually brought it up. He's like, "Well, he's got kids," and I was like, "Yeah, you know, I guess, uh, you know, I, I don't have any kids either, Joe. So, um, you know, it's a uh, putting yourself in other people's shoes sometimes, I guess." Yeah, yeah. Empathy. It's a, it goes a long way. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Enough about that. Enough about caring about other people's feelings. Um, <laughs> do you want to talk about the NBA? Yeah, yeah, we could we could do that. I know we're talking we're talking some Blazers today. We're talking uh, some Timberwolves who you know the Timberwolves just lost to the Mavs, so not the greatest not the greatest outing for them today. Yeah, exactly. But that goes right to my point where I so I was thinking of like things I'm going to talk about because everyone talks about the same stuff in podcasts, right? Like every hot topic, we're all talking about it. Every all-star ballad we're talking about it, you know, it's all the same stuff. But I'm thinking, what do I really want to talk about right now? And, you know, it's halfway through the season and I'm like, mid-season, mid-season, mid-season madness sounds kind of good. What, what is going, like, what's making me mad or just feel like making me feel like I'm insane right now? And just a few things. So we're going to touch on the Blazers and we're going to touch on the Timberwolves and then a couple of players who might be actually clinically insane. Um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the the madness part is like so beginning of the season i don't know how you felt about this but for me and a lot of other people you know people thought that minnesota timberwolves were going to probably get into the playoffs and we're going to make a push and the blazers everyone thought was going to be good again this year and are we all mad for like way over evaluating both of those teams and thinking they are going they were going to be better than they are right now well, it's funny. I did a, a roundtable discussion with a, a bunch of people that are remain nameless right now, but uh, really like renowned, renowned basketball analysts, people that are much, much smarter than myself. And and they were just going on and on about how great the Timberwolves were going to be. Um, and I was like the lone voice in that conversation where I really didn't think 
that the Timberwolves were going to be this 50-win team that everyone thinks they're going to be. The young teams just don't really win right away. And yeah, they were adding Tibbs, and yeah, they added a couple of pieces like Cole Aldridge and um, who was it? Jordan Hill. I, I can't remember if he came on at the end of last year or if it was this season. Um, but, but I really, I just didn't see them taking that leap into 50 games. But if you're talking about the Blazers, I, I do think that collectively everyone thought that the Blazers were going to be better. But if you look at them last year, really the Blazers had like a really good month and a half. And then the rest of the rest of the season, they didn't, but they just won so many games during that stretch that I think there was um, maybe a little bit of a false optimism or a smoke and mirrors as to how good the Blazers were really going to be this year. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, you know, speaking of the Timberwolves, um, real quick, I kind of was on the same path as you. I felt like they were going to be a little bit overhyped. For me, it was a matter of, of Tibbs coming in as the coach. And I thought, well, if anybody's going to get these young guys to play like stars, like up to the potential they have. And we know Carl Anthony Towns is like, he's a budding superstar, if not there already. You just thought that like, that's the coach to do it. That's the guy who's going to put them in positions to be great. Right. And so far, I mean, the one thing that you would think is that because Tibbs is a defensive minded coach and he, you know, he was a defensive coordinator for the Celtics, right. Or is, is, are there defensive coordinators in basketball? I don't even know. (laughs) There are. Yeah. Okay. So he, um, you know, I thought that like their defense would be stellar. And right now, what are they? Their defensive rating is, hold on, I have this right here. It's, I think they're 23rd in the league. Although they're trending up this week, they're just, they've been terrible. Yeah, it's a lot of, it's a lot of really minor, um, it's it's a lot of really minor mistakes. There was a, there was a play the other day where um, Carl Anthony Towns, which he's defending fours right now, and I don't, necessarily agree with that but um where he just where he just kind of looked behind his back really quick and another player uh, uh came in and cut to the basket and there's a lot of little plays like that that i think really lead to the to the timberwolves defensive problems where it's it doesn't seem to be so much schematic um slightly late on rotations or help defense isn't really all that great but you would think def- defensively with ricky rubio with carl anthony towns uh with gorgie jang that they would be a a better defensive team than they are. One thing that's really that really struck me too. I was looking at their their rebounding rate, and they're fourth in the league at um or fifth in the league, excuse me, at offensive rebounding, but twenty sixth in the league at defensive rebounding. And I just I don't really understand the correlation between those two. Yeah, that's incredible. I didn't know about that at all. I I, I don't understand the correlation there either. Because you have Carl Anthony Towns is just like you know he's so athletic, and you would think he'd be around the rim a lot more to be able to get those defensive rebounds and be able to you know uh, block people out. Um, well, when he's guarding fours, depending on what fours he's playing, you know, with the with the, the, the new NBA being everything's a stretch four, uh, and maybe a lot of the time he's not by the rim. That's a good um, point. That is sort of a problem there. But, I mean, Gorgie Jane, he's a pretty good rebounder in and of himself. And, you know, Zach Levine, he's not he's not a bad rebounder. Obviously, Andrew Wiggins isn't isn't a great rebounder or um, a assisting player. But regardless, it's it, that seems to be a little bit of a problem for him, too, because then they end up giving up so many second-chance points. Right. And, you know, just going back to your your uh, the point about being young and not winning and that like the defense for me, like you could see that that Carl Anthony Towns is young. Andrew Wiggins is young. But again, you have Ricky Rubio, like you were saying, on this team, who's a vet. And you have Gorgie Jang, who's on this team, who's a vet. And they're both pretty good at defense. Ricky Rubio gets more. St- I think he's is he leading the league again in steals this year or is that? No, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it's John Wall. Um, oh, right. You're right. You're right. Ricky Rubio, he is a really good defender. Kind of depends on the matchup, though, with some of those like really uh, point guards that are much bigger than him. He seems to have a really hard time. Like George Hill really put him to work the other day when they played the Jazz. Uh, but the Timberwolves, 
I think everyone thinks they're they're so young because their young core is uh, you know Zach Levine and Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns, but they're they're the tenth youngest team in the the league. They do have a little bit of age on on that roster, right? So yeah, so basically they're just underperforming, I guess, at this point in the season, which is kind of sad. Um, and I kind of feel bad for Timberwolves fans because like. When are they ever going to get over this hump? If they can't do it with these couple of guys they have on the roster right now, and after the the down years they've had, you know, boy, I mean, it must be depressing to be a Timberwolves fan. The the longest running drought in the um, you know for for making the playoffs in the NBA, and I mean, you, you look at the Wolves, and there was a couple of years ago when they had Kevin Love, and it was Pekovic, uh, Rubio. I can't remember quite who else was on that team, but that starting unit was was so solid, and then it was just that their bench was really terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you look at the Wolves again this year, and they have the lowest scoring bench in the NBA, twenty two points a game that they're averaging. Uh, the bench seems to be a problem too. Um, I. I, I think that they might be able to, to solve uh, a few of their problems, and I didn't come up with with this idea, but somebody else was floating around. I can't remember his name or else I'd give him the credit for it. But bringing Zach Levine off the bench and, and, and starting uh, either Brandon Rush or uh, Belicia, I think that's how you pronounce his name, Belicia, and that would kind of add a little bit of length to that um, starting unit, which might help him out a little bit defensively. And then you have Zach Levine coming off the bench, which adds to the bench scoring because if Shabazz Muhammad's not scoring, nobody's scoring on that bench. Right. And you're just like leaving the starters out to, to do everything. So, and that's a lot of what people talk about too, is that they, they do too much on their, on themselves. There's not like, you know, they're not, I guess they're not passing the ball as much and they rely on each individual player to go ISO and get all the scoring. And if you have nobody on the bench that can actually do that, well, you're probably in some pretty deep trouble. Yeah, and at end-of-game situations, too. I mean, that's the the one thing about Tibbs that everyone really um, harped on him for before with the Bulls is just how much he, he really relies on his starters and plays his starters. So the end-of-game situations and, you know, the Timberwolves second, obviously, in the in the third quarter, it's just beating a dead horse. You mentioned how bad they are in the third quarter. But they're also negative 1.25 on the season for the fourth quarter. And those starters, that like, they're tired at the end of the games. And how much of an impact is that having? Yeah, for sure. And then, you know what? Extrapolate that throughout their entire career if he stays there or however long. I mean, he could be he could be taking years off the end of their career right now by running them so hard. Well, I think that's the, 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 the one thing about Tibbs is that it's sort of an understanding that he doesn't really care about players after the age of 30. So if you go into it with that mindset where you don't really care about the, the overall, I shouldn't, that's kind of a broad stroke considering right. I don't know the guy and he hasn't told me that. But <laughs> No, nah, he if, told if me he's a real at, jerk and he hates all players over the age of 30. You're right. fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, if you really only value their basketball skills up to about the age of 30, then running to them into the ground before then, you know, it's not really the worst thing if you have that if you have that mentality. That's fine, but think about how many teams win with player. I mean, win the championship with players under thirty. Like, if your core is like all guys under thirty, you're you're probably not going to win the championship. Just, I mean, I don't have any stats in front of me to back this up, but it seems right. Well, I mean, if you look at if you look at LeBron James and look at all the championships uh, he's won, uh, the Ray Allen shot, which saved the series for him that year. Uh, Mike Miller was huge. Um, uh, James Jones has been really big for him. And those are all older players over the age of 30. Yeah, exactly. And now LeBron might even be like, I mean, maybe last year was his prime. Maybe this year's prime. And he's 32. So, like, you know, I, he's probably going to get to the finals again. So, I mean, I don't know how you could think that, like, in Tibbs' case, like, why would you value players over the age of 30 less than you do like these young guys. But anyway, that's, that's probably about enough for the, 
for the Timberwolves. What about the Blazers? Because they are also seriously underperforming. And for me, when they made all these signings last year, it just it didn't make a whole lot of sense. I understood they were bringing their guys back and they really valued their guys. But for starters, they brought in, um, uh, oh my God, my man forgetting his name. Help me out. The big signing who yeah, used to play for the Sixers. Uh, and Evan, I, Evan Turner. Evan Turner, thank you. I'm going to cut all of that out. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> no, I'll probably fine. leave it in. Uh, did, did you not? Yeah, see, I, I felt like I was on the lone island of people that thought this will be a really good move um, because Evan Turner does need the ball in his hands. But if you looked at the, the Blazers last year, that basically for 48 minutes there was either C.J. McCollum or Damian Lillard on the floor. And it, I, I felt, and I was wrong, but I felt that uh, you need to get those guys a little bit of rest during the games and I so I was a little bit high on that Evan Turner contract but boy that has not worked out at all no it really hasn't which you know and I'm kind of with you I thought it wasn't going to be I thought initially well all right because I'm a big 76ers fan and I I watched them draft him and play him for four years and it it, um, ate away at my soul a little bit I'm a lesser man today than I was then Um, I mean it's a it's a hard knock life being a Sixers fan for the last couple of years, man. I, 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 if I had a drink, I'd pour one out for you right now. <laughs> I'm about to pour one in like five minutes. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like Evan Turner, he, uh, I thought like, I actually agree with you. I thought he was going to be better for them than he is because he does a lot of things. He is basically a, a big point guard and he does need the ball in his hands to be effective. Um, I just didn't think that he was going to be this big of a, a negative. I just didn't see it coming because I thought maybe being with Boston, he learned some things and he, he was able to turn it around there. And I thought some of that's going to carry over. I thought a lot of his problem in Philadelphia was that he was just young and immature and thought he was a star when he just wasn't. So and I thought maybe he had cured that in Boston, but it doesn't seem and it, not that this, this is the case now. I'm just saying that, like, I thought that maybe he understood things, understood the game a little bit more and was able to work within a system a bit better. But it doesn't seem like he's adapted to the system quite yet. Well, I wonder how much that has to do with his uh, supporting cast. Um, you know, the, the the Blazers, they were starting Aminu, um, you know, the last year and this year at the four. And you have Aminu who was, you know, shooting at, what, 35%, 36% from behind the arc. And that's that percentage has dipped more than more than 10%. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he was really making defenders pay. And this, this year he's really not. And so... Uh, you know, you, you look around that roster, and if apart from Damian Lillard, who is actually, I think he's shooting like 27% from three this season, so that's that's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, apart from that, there aren't really a lot of lockdown shooters around him, which it seems like that's the type of player that you really need around around Evan Turner. Right. Yeah, you need him to be just a facilitator because his shot sucks. I mean, he's he's got a, a really hitchy kind of shot. I don't know, but, yeah, he's not like a shooter. I mean, he can do some mid-range stuff. Um, but he's he's not great at finishing either because he just he has this propensity to get blocked. I don't know how he does it every time, but he just like goes up and gets blocked. If if there's a guy around him that can block his shot, he'll go right into him and get his shot blocked like every time. Wonder, it's the wonder, weirdest uh, thing. I I, ju- I was just looking up the other day for for players that have their shots blocked most in the NBA, and uh, uh, I don't know if you knew or if you would have guessed, but Demarcus Cousins leads the league in blocked shots on on his shots. Um, mm-hmm. Isaiah Thomas is number two, and that doesn't surprise me because Isaiah Thomas is shorter than me, so that that makes sense. But Marcus <laughs> Cousins, um, I didn't see Evan Turner out there quite. Like, at least he's not like in the top five, so that says something. Huh? I thought he was. I, he should have been leading the league at some point in his career. But yeah, Demarcus Cousins, really, that's insane. Yeah, maybe it's just how many shots he's taken, and that's that's really what does it. Obviously, yeah. for the Blazers, so uh, you know, sticking on with with them, that uh, a lot of their problem is is 
defense. Um, Harkless hasn't been as, as great this year as he was last year. Um, Alfred Camino is, is probably their second best defender. Uh, you know, obviously you have Mason Plumley on the roster that's leading the team in, in defensive box plus minus, but not having Festus Azili to that contract, I, I think that really hurt them. Oh, huge. It was huge. I mean, they were depending so much on him coming in and being that defensive presence and being that you know that presence around the rim and having him injured this whole season so far is just like, it's got to be a huge drain on the team, right? Well, did you hear the rumors uh, about him the other day? No, tell me the rumor. I love rumors. So there was a, a beat writer, and again, I can't remember the, the gentleman's name or lady, it might have been uh, for that matter, but mm-hmm. that was in the locker room and apparently uh they saw Festus Azili hugging everyone and um giving them all handshakes before uh at, at the end of the game and um he's not traveling with them on on the road trip um it, it doesn't look like he's not doing it because of surgery or anything it kind of looks like he you know he's uh, getting pretty close to be traded so oh, wow. uh, there's a good chance within the next couple of days Festus Azili is gone off that roster Wow. Breaking news on the Superflate podcast. Who knew? <laughs> Breaking news when it happens, but that's yeah. what the rumor is that's, uh, that's floating around right now. And it's real interesting. I, I know that the Blazers are, are looking hard at the Phoenix Suns' Tyson Chandler. Mm-hmm. Um, a straight-up swap with Azili doesn't work. They'd have to throw in something on that, maybe an Ed Davis. I'm not sure how much you really want to give up for a, for a Tyson Chandler at this point in his career, no matter how good of a season he's having. But, yeah, I mean, with the Blazers, if you don't have Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum going off, then they just aren't winning these games. Right, because they just can't stop anybody. They, their defense is just atrocious. And we knew this last year going in, and somehow we all forgot it this year. We're like, I oh, you know what? They're, they're, offensive. they're so potent offensively that it'll just, it'll just take up, you know, it'll make up for all that defensive, uh, what is it, sieve? Sieve, sure. Defensive sieve. I don't know. I'm, I'm losing my words here. Um, but their lack of defense, I should say. Uh, it doesn't seem to be the case. And they, again, they started out this year pretty hot. And then they just they've kind of just fallen off. I mean, if you if you look at their wins, because I was trying to analyze the defense a bit and saying, uh, you know, pulling up the stats and, and when they're winning, what are they defending better? And when they're losing, what are they defending worse, essentially? And uh, you look at their losses and they're allowing around 39 percent from behind the arc on the losses and 35 percent from behind the arc on the wins. And that seems to be like the caveat of, um, you know, whether or not they, they win or lose as far as the, the defensive abilities. And I mean, when you have Damian Lillard and, and CJ McCollum, uh, those those guys aren't fighting through screens, Mm-mm. any screens. No, they're really not. What, and, they know, don't be- I don't think they're even big enough to do it. Like we see the same thing with Isaiah Thomas, right? He's not quite big enough to play through a screen. So I mean, he- poor, poor Isaiah Thomas. I don't even think those guys have like screens at their houses, though. Like they're just <laughs> they're anti they're anti going through screens. There's no screens in their sink. There's no, no screens in their doors. They open their window. All the bugs fly in. There's no screens, man. <laughs> That that reminds me, Joe. When you when you were how, how do you mind if I ask how old you are? I do, but I'll tell you anyway. I'm, okay, <laughs> I'm 42. I'm pretty open about my old age these days. Oh man, 40, 42's not old. So I'm I'm 30, 34. Yeah, I'm 34. That's how old I am. You and um, I, I same age. When I when I when I was like 16, 17, back in the day when I was experimenting with things, and I remember, uh, you know, I was like 16, 17 years old smoking pot, but we used to have to get screens. Um, oh, and you yeah. might need to take this out of your podcast. I don't know, but we used to get screens <laughs> from like the the bottom of of the faucets, and that just what that's what that reminded me of. Gotcha. Yeah, you unscrew the bottom and you just pull out the little screen that's in there and throw it. In. I, I don't know anything about what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got it. I now I want to check the screens in my apartment to see if they're in there just just for the sake of it. 
You know, is that still a thing? Do people still do that? I have no idea. I haven't been 16 in some time, my friend. <laughs> well, you know, someone, anybody listening to this needs to uh, tweet either yourself or me and, and let me know if um, 16-year-old kids are still doing this with screens around the house. I'm curious. <laughs> I think it's all moved on to vaporizers now, right? You can just buy the the vape and like you can look. I don't. You know what? Uh, let's let's get off this subject. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what else? Let's talk about something else. Talk about crazy. Let's let's talk about being crazy. This brings me to Derek Rose. See, I mean, like, I don't know if he's actually crazy, but boy, what is going on with that dude? Oh yeah, we just we just had a long conversation about Derek Rose. I, I so the I don't know how you felt about the situation. I've had a lot of conversations with people about the situation, and I, I was I was annoyed to an extent um, by Derek Rose for you know. It's a family emergency. Things happen. We're all adults. We understand that. We forgive people. But at what point do you not send a text to either your agent or your trainer, if you didn't want to do it yourself, by all means, um, to say, I'm not going to make it to the game? And then his apology bothered me, too, because, you know, he got up there and he's like, look, I'm a man. I make my own choices. That's great. You also have fans that paid four or five hundred dollars a ticket to go see you play. And I, you know, not everybody makes what you're making that 20 million a year, whatever it is. Um, that's a lot of money for a lot of people. And I, I felt like Derek Rose owed an apology to the fans. And I was really disappointed that uh, the fans didn't get one. Yeah, I don't really think highly of Derek Rose to begin with. Um, <laughs> so none of that surprises me. You know, the weird thing is like, so he just up and disappeared. And what you were what you were saying is absolutely correct. When at what point do you even just text your agent? Like, even if you don't want to talk to the team, just text somebody. Send somebody a message. Like, you're telling me he has no friends on that team? I mean, I kind, I would kind of believe it because he seems like a um, – no swear words. No, <laughs> him and Noah are friends. Yeah, right? Know? And, and so no one, Noah was the one that ultimately said, oh, he's okay. He's fine. It was a family emergency. Like, dude, that, that was just sticking it to the team and to the fans even more importantly. Like, as you mentioned, yeah, um, I think he might – not really be all there upstairs somehow i don't know i don't want to like i'm not a psychologist but i do play one on tv um (laughs) (laughs) but uh or on the on the podcast anyways it just seems like at what level of of like you you just don't care you you don't care about anybody but your own emotions and like it's it's obvious because in the beginning of the season, before the season started, um, Phil Jackson was talking about how... So, all right, let me just throw this out there. Derek Rose had this rape trial going on, right? Right, right. Well, I guess we should say that it was, it was, a, it was a civil case. Right. Uh, it was a civil a, lawsuit. It, it wasn't criminal. Right. He has a civil case going on. He has a civil rape case going on. Um, and something that really stuck out to me was that Phil Jackson was like, well, it's not keeping him up at night. I'm like, dude, if I had a civil rape case pending against me... I would never sleep. I would be worried about what everyone thinks about me. I would be apologizing to the fans, to my friends, to my family, to everyone. So the fact that he's like, sorry, I'm getting really animated about that. <laughs> but well, that, well, that would be admit, admitting guilt, though, wouldn't it? Well, no, but you don't have to admit guilt. You could be like, listen, I'm so sorry. This is such a distraction. It's not. It did not happen. And I would be like, you know, I mean, I'm not in this situation. I'm not a famous person. So I guess at some point, no matter what you say, it gets misconstrued. Um, take Donald Trump for No, all right. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's construed properly. Maybe it's construed. Yes, it's correctly construed. Um, but I think I would be, it would keep me up at night. 
at very least. And to, to have that and then to have this and just disappear and it not bother him at all. I, it just seems like the guy, I, I don't know. I don't, I just don't see, I don't think I'd want him on my team. And I feel like he's a detriment sort of to this team. He's been playing much better this season in a sort of than he has in years. I mean, his defense is still atrocious. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think they like, is it's not that bad of a gamble for the Knicks because he's on a one-year contract or he's on the last year of his contract and they could just let him walk. Um, well, they traded what they, they only traded Lopez and somebody else that didn't matter all that much. Who was, it was Lopez and uh, was it Jerry and Grant? Is that yeah, who Jerry they and traded? Grant. You're right. You're exactly right. Yes. Yeah. Jerry and Grant. So, you know, they gave up, I, I'm, I understood the move, and I still don't. I still don't necessarily think it was a bad move. And yeah, it's it's a bit too early to say whether or not that really worked out for him or didn't work out for him. But when when you're talking about a player of that caliber, even if he's not the caliber he once was, and you're comparing that to players like Jerry and Grant and Robin Lopez, is like, look, at the end of the day, those players are replaceable on rosters. Um, if you're swinging high, you're going to swing high for a guy that. Uh, that, that isn't replaceable on, on a roster. I mean, the, the Knicks are much better with Derrick Rose on the court this season. When he's, um, when he's, when he's on the floor, their offensive rating is 108.1. That's a top 10 mark. When he's off the floor, it's 101.7, which is a bottom five mark. They are better with, with him on the floor. And it, it's just, if you're Derrick Rose, uh, you know, he made some comments about how he wants to get the, the, the max 150 million at the end of the season. Um, I don't think that you should be doing things uh, to your team, uh, to your teammates, to the fans by just not showing up. But if you look around the league, like how many teams are really going to need a, a point guard next season? Uh, possibly the Orlando Magic, whether or not that Goran Dragic deal comes through. Uh, the Kings, but the Kings, um, you know, I'm not sure that I guess the Kings probably would want him. Um, the Raptors, like... they'll probably keep Lowry. There's not a lot of teams in the league that really need a point guard. Right. I was going to say that the, the... Pairing Derrick Rose and Boogie Cousins seems like a, a volatile mix. I don't. Yeah, the, the Bulls will need a point guard. The Bulls don't want him back. So if you're Derrick Rose, uh, you don't really have a lot of options for that 150 million dollar deal that you want. No, and you're just you're hurting your own stock, really. Um, you know, and I thought, well, maybe this isn't his fault. And like, maybe, maybe, like, there's rumors about him not getting along with Hornacek. Hornacek, Hornacek, how do you say it? Hornacek. Okay, cool. I never know. You know, I always mispronounce people's names. You should have heard what I was calling you before you came on. Um, <laughs> was, was it Tompkins? Tompkins. No, I'm kidding. This I is get, a I joke. Get a lot of Tompkins. <laughs> well, you got to put a, you got to put a little bit of this on Hornacek. Uh, I like. I do think that Hornacek is is a really really good coach. Um, I do think that a part of, of of coaching though isn't just the X's and O's. That it's it's understanding your personnel. And if you're looking at a player like Derrick Rose, I mean, he was what the youngest MVP in the league, and whether or not right. he's still playing up to up to that level, in his mind, he thinks that he is a star player. Into game situations, um, Derrick Rose is on the bench, and Ron Baker is closing out a lot of these games. Ron Baker is what a daily call. The guy's making like the the minimum. Um, and, and so if, if you are Jeff Hornacek, understanding that you have players that have emotions and expect certain things, how much of it is on the coach to play them even when they don't necessarily deserve to be um, being played for, for my passive writing voice? Right. And like the thing is, like if you're in it for wins, like, which, which you should be, especially if you're the Knicks right now, you're going to if you're the coach, you're going to do what's necessary to win. And I think probably having Derrick Rose on the bench at the end of the fourth wasn't wasn't good to have 
him riding the pine for closing out games, right? They, they're obviously better with him on there on the court. Um, so how much of that do you think is like really just, is that personal? Cause we saw in Phoenix Hornacek got, he got pushed out the door, right? We heard a lot of grumbling about like, he's not a good coach. And I always thought he was a good coach, but maybe he really is just hard to get along with. So maybe some of this isn't entirely on Derek Rose. No, well, I, I mean, that's, that's hard to, uh, I mean, I think we all agree that, that, it wasn't so awful that Derrick Rose didn't go the game. It was how Derrick Rose handled it. And, and so I don't think you can put that on on Jeff Hornacek. I mean, no matter how mad Derrick Rose might be or whether or not he feels betrayed or like he's not getting his due respect from the coach, you still show up. And, and again, not to beat a dead horse, but for the fans, uh, if nothing else. But, I mean, referring to Jeff Hornacek and his uh, days in, in Phoenix, I mean, the, the Phoenix Suns, Gave him Goran Dragic, Eric Bledsoe, and Isaiah Thomas, three starting point guards, and said, "Go." Right. You know, I, 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 I like and, and Markeith Morris, who was an absolute cancer in the locker room. Um, I was going to say know, that's much, almost that's almost like giving you three starting centers and and saying, "Go, poor Brett Brown." Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, well, that's exactly what it is, and you are going to have a, a player. If you're talking about the Sixers right now, that player looks like it's it's Ja, who's the odd man out. Um, you know, Noel. As there's rumors, Noel doesn't really want to stay in Philly, no matter what they offer him, short of the max. Um, but I mean, going, you know, go, sticking on on Phoenix, I guess I should say is, I just I don't know how much of that was was Jeff Hornacek, but also Jeff Hornacek did lose the locker room, the players weren't playing for him anymore. The, the Phoenix Suns were underperforming under jo- Jeff Hornacek. Uh, they're also really underperforming under Earl Watson, for that matter. Right. Uh, Earl Watson's not a very good coach either. But, you know, I mean, there was a point in the season where the Knicks were, what, third, fourth in the East? Yeah, and they just kind of all of a sudden fell off. I mean... Yeah, they lost like 9 to 10. That was the thing about Derrick Rose missing that game is I think uh, the game he missed, the, the Knicks had lost seven of their last eight games. So it's not exactly the time. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, it's not just a matter of, like, how he handled the situation. It's really bad timing. Like, you're riding the pine on the fourth, and you're losing, and you're just going to take off. And apparently there was a there was a, uh, a report that he thought about quitting basketball altogether. It's a little weird. I think, you know, and we've, we've also seen... Maybe he is crazy. He might be crazy. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like, (laughs) we've also seen him do this in Chicago, too, when he came out and said, like, I'm not going to injure my health for the sake of the team. Like, fans don't want to hear that. They want you to put everything on the line for them. And yeah, fans can be a little ungrateful and and silly sometimes, but like, you at least want to play to them, right? You want to get them on your side. Well, he he was saying that while Joakim Noah was out there playing with like plantar fasciitis. Yeah, like two broken legs and like right. <laughs> <laughs> Which it doesn't. It, I mean, Chicago fans, bless up to them because they gave they gave Derrick Rose a long time, um, right. and they were really forgiving. Also, Derrick Rose, like one thing about the that he did for the Chicago community is he spent a lot of money putting in a lot of basketball courts um, around the community that he never really wanted to get credit for. And it just kind of leaked that he did. Um, so he, you know, he did do a lot for that community, but, but purely speaking of, of his play on the court or, or lack thereof. Yeah. You had Joe Noah and other players who were playing injured through the playoffs and Derek Rose just chilling on the bench, making 20 million a year. Yeah. And you know, I guess this is unfair. I do this all the time. I, I assassinate people's character. I'm such a jerk. Uh, <laughs> and I don't mean to, I'm just saying that like, I don't, maybe he's the greatest guy in the world. Who knows? I bet you I would get along really well with Derek Rose if I knew him. Probably not at all. Um, <laughs> 
But you know, you know, you don't know. I don't know what he's like personally. So, and whenever you hear things about what a what a great person he is when he's donating to charity and helping communities, that's awesome. And I really respect the hell out of that. And it always brings me around a little bit. Like Carmelo, man, I I hated Carmelo's game for the longest time, but he's become such a a wonderful social advocate. I he's like he's skyrocketing up my books. Um, yeah, he's he's having a down year though, huh? He's like shooting he his really worst is. percentage since his uh, since his rookie year. Did you hear the rumors that um, Carmelo Anthony would be willing to waive his no trade clause as long as it's either to the the Clippers or the Cavs? I did not hear that. Can you imagine putting him on the Cavs? That would be insane. I, I was thinking about that today, and it, it seems like it would really slow their offense up. And I could be really wrong about this. I've been wrong about a lot of things when it comes to basketball. And you obviously always want to add Carmelo Anthony whenever you can to any team. He's better than James Jones. He's going to be better than Channing Frye. Uh, but it seems like that would really hurt the pace right. uh, of the Cavs. And then how much would they have to – I think I think they could do a straight trade. It worked on the trade machine, I believe, I saw earlier today with a, a J.R. Smith and – and Amon Schumpert um, sending him sending him back to the Knicks, but that would that would work. That would make everyone angry. I live in New York. I don't want that to happen. I need to, do you? I, I need to ride the subway tomorrow, man. I don't want to get punched. How do how do New York fans feel about the about Porzingis and and oh whether God. or not he should be going to the All Star game instead of uh, instead of Rose or not Rose? I'm sorry, Mello. I think I think everyone just from like having my sort of ear to the ground. I think everyone in New York loves Porzingis and thinks he should be in the All Star game. The offense and defense should run through him, uh, not Melo. And uh, yeah, I, I think I think people are starting to get a little bit frustrated with the fact that Porzingis isn't more involved, although he's a little hurt right now. So, okay, well let let me give you a scenario then. End of the game situation. Uh, Knicks are down by one. Five seconds left on the shot clock. Who do you want taking that last that last second shot, Mello or Porzingis? Well, it's funny you should say that because Porzingis took it the other night and he missed, and the Sixers got it, and and then Mello right. couldn't block <laughs> T.J. McConnell and they lost the game. So there you that go. That was um. How did you feel about that game, being a Sixers fan but living in uh, living in New York? Um, I loved every freaking second of it. <laughs> I don't, I'm from the Philly area, so I'm fine. I love I love the city of New York. Um, and I root for their basketball teams on occasion, never when they're playing my home team. So that's how it goes. Yeah, you know, you guys have in Phillies, you have Wawa's. That's true, Wawa's. You know about Wawa? That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, we got a couple of Wawa's that are opening up down here in uh, down here in Florida. And I, while it's just a gas station, mm-hmm. my only real option for late night food uh, is like Seven Eleven or Taco Bell. Ugh. So, <laughs> head to a Wawa. Wawa would yeah. just be magical. It's it is magical, man. It got me through grad school. Like I just I, I lived at the Wawa. I just go over to the touch screen and make all kinds of sandwiches. And yeah, couldn't have made it through that without it. Um, are you are you are you worried about Porzingis's um, uh, what is it? Sore Achilles, I believe, is is that injury. Are, are you worried about that? You know, I've had a sore Achilles. It's no fun. Um, I do kind of worry about it a little bit. That can be a lingering injury, like. If you don't take care of it, if you don't rest it properly, it could be a little, it could be, it could hang around for a while. I'm a little bit worried. And the other thing is like, I feel like he's a little bit knock kneed when you see him run. So I kind of worry that like his muscles aren't really working together in accord the way they should be sometimes. Does that make any sense to you? No, because I didn't know what that word meant. Which knock kneed? Yes. It means your (laughs) knees point inward rather than like straight up and down. So when he, Uh, it's the opposite of bow legged, I guess. 
All right, yeah, he missed a bunch of time last season, too, and that was one thing that a lot of people just sort of ignored. Um, but wasn't he out for, like, the last two months of the season last year? I think so, yeah. And it, what was it for? Was it, it wasn't the Achilles again, was it? I can't even remember. I don't remember, but I don't believe that it was it was an Achilles thing. Obviously, he hit that rookie wall. I mean, you have these players that I, you know, and he was coming from overseas, but you have these players that uh, their college careers where they're playing maybe one, two, you know, games a week. Um and then they go into the NBA where it's just a, such a grind and it's 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 so unrelentless on your body. And, uh, you know, he's only in his second season, but he's not staying on the court. Yeah, it's a little concerning, especially a guy at 7'3". And he's well, he's also real thin. So it also is good and bad for him. Like, it's good that he's not putting all that much weight on his feet and his knees. But it's also bad that, like, he probably gets, like, even for a 7'3 guy, he probably gets beaten unmercilessly, you know? It hurts to play in the post. Like it's it's a painful thing. Uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't know. I'm only five nine. I've never been in the post in my life. <laughs> you, you don't you don't play pickup ball at all. I used to. My old body won't let me do it anymore. Oh, no, I got you. I got you. And uh, but the Knicks they have a really interesting decision to make too. And I you look at their team right now. Obviously they have. Uh, it, it looks like they built around Carmelo Anthony, and they're just kind of assuming that. Porzingis is going to stay when his rookie years, when his rookie contract is up in, in two or three years, and he's looking around that roster, and they got this this Joakim Noah contract, which I think is the worst contract in the NBA. Um, Go on, and Brandon Jennings <laughs> around him, you know, I, and, and then uh, uh, an aging Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, is is Porzingis even guaranteed to stay? And are the the Knicks really wasting an opportunity by putting players around him? Absolutely. They're absolutely wasting an opportunity. And they, if they were smart, they would do everything to keep him, like throw everything at him. Uh, he is their future. If he can stay healthy, he is exactly to New York as Joel Embiid is to the Sixers. Like he's everything to you. You have to keep him happy and you have to keep him healthy and you have to like make sure that like you put players around him that will help him succeed. It's the same thing that happened to like Melo's entire career. He's never had guys around him to help him succeed. Although he's always been the guy who wanted the attention, had to have the ball and was a bit of a, you know, a black hole for his career. And so I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird thing. I don't know what they do. I think, um, I think they should start by maybe asking Phil Jackson to leave. Actually knows how to run a team. I mean, it's a, there's a, there were rumors that Phil Jackson was going to be gone at the end of this year and be like, look, well, I got you for Zingas. I, I did my job. Yeah. Um, th- that Joakim Noah contract, though, I mean, four years, 70 million. I uh, just what what were they thinking? Yeah, that is a real albatross. You're right. I, you know, I totally glanced over that when you said it. But yeah, four four years is the big one. Like, <laughs> like even if you don't I mean, even if you don't care about the money, because the Knicks will never hurt for money. But like. Four years of that guy? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he he had his best night of the season the other night. I think he had 13 and 12. Like, really? Yeah, he's obviously, he's a a step. I mean, it's it's hard for centers who, you know, he's always going to be a good passer. But if if you're looking at a rim-protecting center that you're giving that kind of money to for four years, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, he's already a step behind. He's already having problems staying healthy. I just that's that that contract is that's going to hurt them for a real a real long time. But I mean, if you're the Knicks, take him back to that Derrick Rose situation. Do you throw a max contract to Derrick Rose or the the free agent point guard classes this upcoming summer? I mean, Drew Holiday, I think he's really the only one that might legitimately be on the books for people. That's true. That's that's a good point. Um, You know, the other thing. Oh, yeah. 
So I was just thinking about the draft because apparently it's very guard heavy. It is. The top five picks are all point guards. So then right now, imagine you're the Knicks. You have a decision to make. Do you keep trying to get better or do you just like throw it in the tank and be like, you know what? Porzingis is young enough. We can start over with a fresh point guard and put some younger players around him and build. But they won't do that. Dolan would never let them do that. So, you know, I guess you're stuck. I guess they probably end up offering Rose a lot of money in the offseason. But anyway, listen, enough about the Knicks and Derrick Rose. What if you had a thought, please feel go ahead, feel free. To uh, I was just I was just going to say I'm trying to look at what the the Knicks if they even have their their draft pick this year. I don't know that off the oh, off the top of too. my head. I didn't even think about that. I totally totally forgot about their draft pick. I don't know either. Um but if you find out, let me know. Uh, <laughs> um looking it it looks it looks like they do. They have some second rounders going in and out, but it looks like they do have that first round draft pick. All right. Well, then, so so what what would you do if you were the Knicks? What would you do? Let me just ask you real quick. Uh, I mean, I, I try and get Melo wave that no trade clause. I throw in some second. You might you're going to have to throw in a first rounder to get rid of that Joakim Noah. Hmm. I mean, I it's you 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 got to build around uh, Porzingis. I mean, he's going to get to that the end of that contract, and uh, there's no guarantee that he stays. Right. And the thing is, it's only Porzingis. It's Porzingis and no one else. Nobody is that age right. and nobody has that upside on that team. Everybody is trajecting downward, you know? Kylo, how old is Kylo Quinn? Do you know? I think he's like 27 or 28. I don't think he's that old. I, I secretly like Kylo Quinn a lot, by the way. But Dude, he's a good player. Yeah, he's like, he's scrappy. He's my favorite type of player. He's one that like <laughs> never stops running. You know what I mean? Every, every team needs a player like him. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you know what? You know what teams don't need? I'm just going to segue here quick. <laughs> Rajon Rondo? Rajon Rondo, yes. Teams, <laughs> no team. No team needs Rajon Rondo. So, I, you know, I was emailing you back and forth. Well, not back and forth so much. It was more one-sided. I'm just like, hey, look at this. Um, <laughs> what do you think? Uh, I emailed you one real quick thought about Rajon Rondo. Speaking of crazy, mm-hmm. um, not, again, I don't, I'm not saying anything about his character, although I think he's a, a douche, but that's just me personally. <laughs> he, probably, he is a little bit. He yeah, is a little bit. It of probably one, says yeah. more about me than him, but whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my thought was that uh, he sucks at basketball. What do you think? I don't know. I'm always going to have a soft spot in my heart for Rajon. I just, I love a true point guard is really what it comes down to. I will, I'm, I'm going to go down um, to my grave defending Ricky Rubio and uh, not so much Alfred Payton, but Rajon Rondo. It's just, it's such a fall from grace for him. And I'm not sure that his style of play really fits the modern NBA. And that if you are going to have a team with, with Rajon Rondo, that you got to put specific players around him. I mean, I think there, there is something to be said for him not being good at basketball anymore, but I think that's, that's sort of a selfish problem he has where he right. wants to rack up the assists more than the hockey assists, right? Right, right, exactly. I thought you were going to say that I'm being selfish for a second. I'm like, wait, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just because I don't like the guy. God. Um, no, and I totally, the, you know, the thing that blows my mind about Rondo is that when he was with the Celtics, he was a defensive stopper, right? He was known yeah. at least as much for his passing as he was for his defense. It's, he was arguably the best player on that team. Exactly. And how do you go from, what, four years later? Not even five years later, right? It wasn't five. It was four years. Wait, when was the last uh, Four time? years, yeah. Four years. Mm-hmm. Four years later, and he is a revolving door of defense. He plays no defense whatsoever. And he's he's been open about it, that he hasn't played defense. I guess last year he was like, yeah, I haven't played defense in two years. Like, why? 
do you know what you're doing to your reputation? Do you know what you're, like, the way you're hurting teams you're on? If you want to be good and you want to be on a good team, you have to put in the effort. You think he, of all people, would know that. And instead, he just chases the assist stats. It boggles my mind. And that's why I say he's bad at basketball. Not because he can't do it, because he doesn't want to. Well, that's a problem with Rondo, right? I mean, so if, if, if you're a player of limited shooting ability, it means that you need to do other things really well, depending on what it is. You, you need to be a good defender. If you can't shoot, you need to be a good defender. Look at Tony Allen. You cannot yeah. not shoot and not be a good defender. That just doesn't work. Um, you need to be a good rebounder. Uh, he's, he's always been a pretty good rebounder. Um, this year, those those numbers are obviously down a little bit, as is every number of his. But I, I think that that's, that's the problem with Rondo, and it's, it's not so much that he can't shoot and can't run an offense, but he's not bringing enough to the table for somebody that only does one thing. Right, exactly. And, you know, and then uh, for all, by all accounts, he was, he handled being benched pretty well, right? He didn't say much until, like, right before they brought him off the bench, Right. <laughs> and he gave he, a really wild interview that the, the PR guy or PR lady tried to stop uh, him from talking. He's like, no, nah, it's the most attention I've had in a while. <laughs> Forget it. You can't stop me. Um, I didn't even see that. I didn't see the PR person trying to stop him. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they weren't a, a fan. I think um, I think he's been all right coming off the bench. I mean, Jerry and Grant looks like Jerry and Grant's out of the rotation now mm-hmm. for John Rondo coming off the bench behind Michael Carter Williams. And they seem to be bringing him in with, with Doug McDermott, who his shooting is down right now too. Um, but it, they, they seem to understand that if you're going to put Rondo in the game, you need to surround him with, with players. I never really thought Rondo was the problem per se on the bulls though. I uh, looking at the different lineups and the plus minuses and everything. It seems to be a Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo pairing. Really? That's the problem. Because I think that, like, well, maybe I'm wrong about this. I guess I haven't seen the numbers in a while. But it was that every lineup Rondo was in was was negative. Uh, PER, I think, or something. How do those stats go? Uh, box plus minus. <laughs> box plus um, minus. Thanks. Yeah. I'm really yeah, bad at yeah, finding the numbers. While that's also true. <laughs> <laughs> Both things can be true. Both things can be Go on. <laughs> the, the lineups were, were not nearly as negative when it wasn't Dwayne Wade and um, – and Rondo. So, I mean, but that was sort of the, 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 they get this coach that wants to run up and down the court and, and shoot threes and, and uh, play a, a up paced fast style of basketball. And they go and they give him Rondo. And, and to Rondo's credit, like Rondo signed before Wade. Um, this wasn't necessarily Rondo's like, yeah, I think I'd be a good fit with Wade. They signed Rondo and then signed Wade. Is that true? Because uh, I always remember the other way around. Yeah, it was, it was a few days before, a few days before they got Wade. Um, but it's 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 just it's a bad fit. It's um yeah. who, who are we talking about? It was like the Evan Turner thing. It was just one of those where uh you know, and I'll admit I was wrong about the Evan Turner, but it was just a bad fit for the Bulls. And Rondo's like, I can't do anything. I can't I can't drive to the basket because they're just stuffing the paint. So all that's left is a bunch of mid range contested jump shots. Right. And you know, right, you're right. A lot of that a lot of the problem is probably not his fault cuz they have no spacing on that floor whatsoever and everyone has known this from the get-go. Like they tried shooting threes and in like the first 5 games of the season, everyone was shooting threes in an un, unbelievable clip and an unsustainable clip. And you know, they fell back to earth just where they we everyone thought they would be. Um so it's not all necessarily Rondo's fault. I think the thing for me is just that he just, you know, he just doesn't try the way we know he can. And that, that just bothers me personally because I'm a fan of the NBA and I want to see guys like play their butts off, you know? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, Rondo's, Rondo's got problems. He's sort of, you know, to a certain extent. And I guess, real quick, the, the best shooter on the Bulls right now from three-point percentage is Bobby Portis at 42. Then you have Jimmy Butler at, at 35, and um, it, it pretty much it drops off after that. But, I mean, Rondo's looking at the same situation, really, that, that Derrick Rose is looking around the league, and there aren't a whole lot of teams that – are going to need point guards at the end of how well, I guess he's got two years left his next season's what three million guaranteed I think on it um but there there aren't a lot of options and he was he was pretty much fired from the Mavericks uh, he didn't stick with the Kings although he thinks he had a good season last year but if it was really that good he probably would have stayed or the Kings would have wanted him to stay right. uh, he's I, he's building a reputation if you're a coach and why would you want that in your locker room yeah exactly like his it- his locker room presence is is going to be really tough to to get around. And like, yeah, there's and, and who's going to take him? Like, who are they going to trade him to? Is the problem? You know, I don't. As you were mentioning, I can't think of. I mean, maybe send him to Orlando. I don't know. You were talking about maybe Goran Dragic goes over there, but um. Well, I mean, for Orlando, that doesn't doesn't, doesn't fix make any anything sense either. either right. They already have a point guard who can't shoot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's the funny thing about the Bulls too is it's not like he was replaced in the lineup by. You know, a really great up-and-coming point guard who can really uh, nail it from three, which is exactly what the Bulls need. He was replaced by Michael Carter-Williams, who, <laughs> to all accounts, has the same uh, offensive deficiencies that he does. Yeah, except for he can't really pass that well either. <laughs> Maybe, right, a, a, right. MCW might be a better defender at this point, but I, mean, I don't think MCW's defense is, is terrible. Um but he doesn't have the court vision of, a, of Rondo, obviously, and his shot is, I would probably say, if, of the two of them, MCW shot is probably worse, um, which is saying something. It's the thing for me is like they drafted Denzel Valentine, and I thought that kid was going to be like I thought they were going to groom him to be their starter because he can hit the three and he can space the floor a bit, you know. Uh, looking at it right now, yeah, he's he's shooting thirty three percent, thirty thirty two point eight percent from behind the arc this season. Um, I kind of forgot about Denzel Valentine to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, I was really excited about him coming <laughs> yes. out of college. Yeah, I know he's easy to forget about because he's been he's been he's not playing. Yeah, because he's not playing exactly, and he's been <laughs> injured most of the season. But you know, the only reason I keep remembering Denzel Valentine is because his last name is Valentine, right? <laughs> yeah, that's very memorable. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And just, Denzel too. You Den- know, Denzel's oh, a pretty sweet name. That's a really good name, man. Anyway, let me uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's actually been really great having you on. You're very knowledgeable about the NBA, a very smart guy, and actually a lot of fun to talk to. So please come back anytime you want, Tim. It's it's a great pleasure to have you. Hey, no, this was a, this was so much more fun than than I thought it would. Usually, whenever I, I guest on on podcasts, the the hosts are really boring. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I went. I, I listened to your podcast earlier today because you know it's it's on the. Um, Almighty Ballin Network and uh, so many great podcasts on that as well. But we'll have to make sure to have you on also. Definitely. I'm, I'm happy to come on anytime. Just don't look for like, I think my thing is like, I just like to talk to people. I'm a people person. So don't don't look for stats from me because I just, you know, I don't care about stats. <laughs> I just want to talk to you. <laughs> I just sure, want to be well, friends. I got, I have an episode coming up where both Kevin and Justin are going to be, uh, are going to be out of town. So I'm going to have to do a solo pod. So I will, I will hit you up in a couple of weeks then. Absolutely. I'm happy to come on anyway, plug your stuff one more time and we'll, uh, we'll get out of here cause it's running late. Sure. By all means. Uh, well, my name is Tim Tompkins with the drive and dish NBA podcast. You can find us anywhere that you can find podcasts as well as drive and dish podcast.com with Mr. Kevin Rayfuse and Justin Kuzart. And you can add myself on Twitter. Please do by all means at radio Tim NBA. 
Awesome. Thanks, Tim, so much for coming on. And hopefully we'll speak again soon. All right. It was a pleasure, Joe. All right. Take care. Well, there you have it, everybody. Tim Tompkins uh, of the Drive and Dish podcast. Thanks again, Tim, for coming on. That's going to do it for me for this week, guys and gals and friends and countrymen and ladies, country ladies and uh, all that. I'll talk to you guys soon. Okay, bye-bye. Progressive presents Mind Flowness with Flow. You are a mighty fortress of supreme knowledge. Progressive Direct has not only revealed their rates, but those of their competitors. If you were any more in the know, you would be drowning in, you know, the know. Compare Progressive Direct rates with competitors' rates because knowledge is power. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy.